0: what's going on everybody this is og goblin come catch live recordings of geeks and goblins every saturday at 9:30 p.m eastern standard time over on goblin gang entertainment on youtube hello everybody and welcome to another episode of geeks and goblins how is everybody out there in the world how are you today utopian revolt
1: Great, I'm uh half asleep over here after having some nice ramen today, but uh feeling really good though. <laughs> How you about been, yourself, man?
0: I'm good, man. You've been like on the ramen run. Every time I've heard you like speak words on stream, it's been about like ramen for like the last like three streams, including this one.
1: <laughs> hey, man, ramen's good. It's uh it's cheap, it's easy, and it's uh it's filling. At least you know for the initial thirty minutes, and then you're hungry again but uh feeling good other than that man um how about you bro how you how you been doing today how you been doing after this uh this little hiatus that we've gone on
0: i've been good man i was stuck at my mother's house uh dog sitting cat sitting sitting um and uh now i'm back in front of the camera behind in front of the lights like i'm i'm here i'm scared of the streaming thing man i don't know how i did this i took a week away and i was like oh my god how have I been doing this for so long it's crazy but I'm back and I'm here uh very funny though your description of ramen sounds like exactly what everyone was saying about morbius cheap easy and uh, good for about 30 minutes so uh, I just think that's fine I just thought that was very that was very timely
1: <laughs> can we get like can we get a limited edition Maruchan instant ramen like morbius flavor or something like that?
0: Ooh, yes. Um, It'll be, like, very unfulfilling, uh, probably a little flavorless, and uh, the pack will actually be about half full. So it'll be more akin to a bag of Lay's chips, I think, Okay. than it would be a ramen.
1: Okay. Hey, that's a collector's item, though.
0: I agree. It's something like that. It's something. It's something. So, uh, I'd like to start this episode off by saying... Uh, I want everyone to take a look at the... I'm always so confused as to where to like point for things. I want everyone to take a look at the big red sign right here to the left of my face that says, Spoiler Warning. Sir, you were pointing in the wrong direction. Spoiler Warning for Moon Knight and for Doctor Strange. I, I'm saying it again. Spoiler Warning for Moon Knight... And Doctor Strange, we are going full bore into these uh, shows and movies today. Um, and with that said, um, I suppose that's also a spoiler warning for Loki, Wandavision, Spider-Man No Way Home, the MCU as a whole. If if you if you are caught by surprise on something here, you got the notification. It's in the title and it's up here at the top. You have nothing to be surprised by.
1: Oh, my God. All There's right? still going to be some people at the end of the episode like, Yo, what? I, I didn't even know that. Of like, course. Come on. I was going to watch it on Tuesday, you know?
0: Of course. We're going to be on the front page of Sportskeeda.com. Uh, uh, pro- amateur streamers spoil Doctor Strange uh, ma- Multiverse of Madness. Um, two days after release. Like, oh, I'm pardon a day after release, technically. I, I can already see it. We're gonna be cancelled super, super hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hey, I'm ready, though. I'm ready. We'll go down together, you know?
0: Absolutely. So, one last time before we do Moon Knight Episode 5. Spoiler warning! <laughs> Run away now for Moon Knight's Episode 5 and 6 and... For Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. That is what we're here talking about today. Utopian Revolt. Would you like to kick us off on Moon Knight episode five?
1: Um. So I'm gonna start off the way that we've been starting off our other, uh, our last couple of Moon Knight episode reviews. Um, I want to say that Moon Knight episode five is a full blown five geeks out of five. Um, arguably the best episode that we've gotten uh, up until this point. Um, it's just a perfect mix of action emotions it finally answers some questions that everybody's been like just craving uh an answer for and i I think it's it's crazy to see how we've seen the development from not just mark uh as a character but also steven as a character and, and seeing them grow together within these last couple episodes and here we are man like what an episode what an episode
0: uh, absolutely, man. Um, I, I've said it before. I, I now I get to say it on stream. Episode five of Moon Knight is my favorite episode of the whole series. If you know me personally and the things that I love in regards to, like film and television and stuff like that, I am a sucker for character development. I am a sucker for good storytelling and Moon Knight Episode 5 is chock full of all of these things. So many revelations, so many answers. Um, of course, and it left so many questions, but the answers were, oh, Chef's Kiss. Whoever wrote this episode, I gotta find this man's name, because he, he deserves all the accolades, um, did, did the MCU a service in giving us an MCU episode unlike anything we've really ever seen before
1: uh, it's definitely true it's it delved much more into the mental health aspect of the show that we've already been praising it a lot for you know it, it went really deep into what makes Mark tick as a person where did Steven come from who is the real persona it, it gave us answers to all those questions and also like that damn fucking hippo we know who that hippo <laughs> Tawarit. is and that her hippo name hippo is tawaret most important character of all time you know what i'm saying
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The best character across any bit of MCU media we have ever gotten. Uh, God bless Tawarit. We must protect her because she is baby. Um, But she was also down with sending your boys to to the Duat very, very quickly. She was not here for the fuck shit. She had a job to do, okay? She was adorable and she had a job to do and she was very serious about it, man.
1: Right, you can't, you can't blame her for that, you know, she's just, you know, she's getting paid her wage, she needs to make a living somehow, you know. She liked Mark, she liked Steven, she tried to help them out as much as she possibly could, giving them hints, giving them ideas of what they could do. She was trying her fucking best to help them get balanced, you know. So, uh, even though she was doing her job, she was looking out for our boys.
0: Now, Now, speaking of getting balanced, just the heartbreak... That is Mark Spector's life. Um, you, you have to talk about it. It's, it's just right there in your face. You have to talk about it. Th- seeing how his altar, that is um, uh, Stephen Grant, as well as Jake Lockley, which we will get to later down the road, seeing how the altar came about and how the system really was developed... I, I tell you I, I'm, I'm I'm an emotional being anyway I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm a very emotional being but um, I didn't expect to find myself swelling up a little bit with tears watching mark go through what he went through
1: see man I was uh I was watching an episode of good place last night and There was one point where Michael, one of the main characters, was talking about how the only emotions you really need in life is anger and confusion. And while watching this episode, that was literally me to a T. Anger and confusion. (laughs) Not only did I get sad in in those moments where you see where his life kind of just fell apart, but I found myself getting incredibly pissed off at how Mark's mother was kind of taking out her anguish and grief on him and what basically caused him to become it's this episode was heartbreaking in every fucking fashion it it was crazy man it really was
0: oh yeah absolutely Uh, instantly top three villains in marvel history um (laughs) instantly like in the top three like talk about an origin story uh jokes aside though i mean i guess You you delve a little bit more into the psychology of what it's like to lose a child, and so often I think in media, which is why I find this refreshing, so often we see in media, um, you know, in the occasion where somebody loses a child and they have a second child or so on and so forth... um, they lose the child, and we see kind of the, it, the complete inverse of what we saw here. They become more paternal. Uh, they they love their children harder. Situations like that, or they don't really seem too deeply affected by it. Um, this is a situation that I very seldom, if ever, have seen on the silver screen or the big screen, where a parent just completely shut down and that paternal instinct essentially died with their child she was not here for mark at all anymore he was just the cause and feeling of her pain and her hate and her anguish and you know it led her down a a path of child abuse and for specifically this conversation being an mcu power hour for the mcu to go to that place um being one of the places that it's gone with Moon Knight that were unexpected for seeing her go to that place, seeing them choose to do this, it was surprising and and a, a dark way refreshing.
1: Yeah, honestly, it really was. I think we've kind of seen that throughout the entire show so far, um, not just in, in this aspect, but in many other aspects where it's breaking the mold of what it means to be a property inside of the MCU. Uh, we're seeing things we've never seen before, uh, in terms of representation for people with DID, um, exploring asylums and just the psych- the psychology of broken people, uh, seeing, like you said, a mother lose her child and just completely- not just shut down her paternal instincts, but become a fucking villain for her remaining son, basically turning him into a fucking killer, um, seeing him- about to be abused and then just kind of like take him, take himself out of the situation and become Stephen Grant. It, this episode, the reason why I think you and I both rate it so highly is because of how it really like pulled on those heartstrings in, in a way that we've never really seen before in the MCU or honestly, we haven't really seen much of in on TV period, especially in this golden age of streaming TV. Uh, it, it was very unique, a, a fresh breath of air, and I, I still feel enraged thinking about certain parts of this episode, like when Mark had a couple birthdays where he was alone, or when his mom came all drunk, still blaming it on him years down the line. It, Jesus, man.
0: Yeah, it's a, it, it's, it's a dark place for the MCU, and I think given uh, uh, the later portion of this conversation, I, I think it's a, a trend that hopefully... Uh, we don't see go away. I think, you know, uh, definitely a sad story for uh, Merck Specter, 100%. But from a storytelling aspect, it's refreshing. It's so refreshing to see the MCU really start to break that mold of what, like, their formula has been for the better part of the last decade in some you know, we, 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 we've we gotten so used to the Marvel formula. The ha-ha with a little bit of action. You know, we make light of some things here or there. Big action sequences, big fights, and then, you know, we move on. And Moon Knight does a great job of, like, um, circumventing that particular trope. Those tropes and that formula very, very well. Um, and I think... This is one of the instances where I was not expecting them to go as comic book origin with his origins as they did. I thought we might have gotten a little bit of a different switch here. But even down to how he you know, meets Khonshu and becomes the Moon Knight is almost ripped out exactly from the comics.
1: So I started reading the, a collection of Moon Knight comics. Uh, I started with the Werewolf by Night uh, very much with the recommendations that you've given me. And it's very interesting seeing him from the very beginning. I haven't gotten to the point where I do see his origin. Uh, but that being said, like it, 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 honestly, this entire episode really kind of just gave you the idea of who not just Mark Spector is, who not just Stephen Grant is, but also who Moon Knight is. What that character is supposed to be, what that character means for just the grand world.
0: Yes, and just to be clear, um, his mother is not... Well, the, the twist with his mother is not uh, part of his original um, reason for why he has the altars, just to be clear. Um, when I say his storyline, his origin, I'm referring to um, specifically when, you know, Conchu, uh enters his life and he becomes the Moon Knight. I will leave... Um, I will leave how... I will leave his traumatic experience that creates the system uh, for you to be found on your own Um, moving on though uh, with the rest of the episode it was nice to finally see steven be what he was created for in a sense Um, obviously if you've seen the episode um, i'm not going to say spoiler warning because it's right there up at the top if um if you've seen the episode at this point uh steven sacrifices himself Uh, um, Let's maybe call it unintentionally, for all we know, but he does sacrifice himself so that Mark can live, and I I do love to see that switch there in his mind where he says, you know, well, hey, if you can do it, then I can do it, and he becomes that protector, uh, at least in that instance, one last time. Uh, for Mark and I just I think there were so many things done right about this episode and I don't believe I gave my my rating for it before we started going it's a solid five out of five goblins for me Um, I think that can be given at this point this had everything that that a that a show like this should have and of course without saying uh, well needless to say fantastic and flawless performance by Oscar Isaac again
1: He killed it, man. He killed it. And within these last two episodes, we're about to get into episode six very soon, but uh, just with this one episode scene, not many actors would be able to have a convincing relationship with himself. Uh, It it was very interesting to see that dynamic play out through the beginning of the show to the end. It really is something special, man. I can't give him enough credit.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that leads us pretty solidly into episode 6, um, which, uh, as, as you put it, um, I think you, you put it best, we went from arguably the best episode of the series to probably the, the I, I, I don't want to say worst, but as you said, worst episode of the series.
1: I mean, when I mentioned that, I wasn't trying to say that this was a bad episode by any means, because I still very much enjoyed a lot of it. I just think, in terms of what we've gotten so far, like in comparison, it is the worst episode that we that we've gotten, at least in my opinion. And I think I think you share that opinion as well. It was very rushed. It felt like the complete opposite of the Batman, for example, where that uh, where that movie was very slow. This was, it felt like this needed an extra hour uh, or an extra episode to wrap things up. Things were just moving at a blistering pace. Uh, there were points where Mia and I, while we were watching, we were like, "What the fuck is even going on? Like, who <laughs> did they just kill? What? Like, who just got knocked out? What is going on?" Um, so, needless to say, my uh, my review score for episode six is three and a half geeks out of five geeks.
0: Uh, I think I may have to mirror your score there as well, um, uh, slightly. I will give it a three and a half goblins out of five goblins. Um, Partly because of the 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 ending credit, the end credit scene, Uh, it 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 does so much to redeem that episode, uh, but not enough to redeem that episode. If that makes sense, Uh, I remember finding out after episode five that. Episode 6 was going to be 42 minutes long, and I, I, I knew going from that point that we were going to get a breakneck speed episode, and I could only hope that it was going to to work. And unfortunately, I think it missed the mark on... No, no pun intended. It missed the mark on um a lot of levels. Uh, primarily just, you know, wrapping up that initial season 1 story. Uh, there's so many plot holes in in... Not even, pl- I don't even necessarily want to call them plot holes, but there's so many areas where you're left wondering like, well, how the fuck does that even make sense? Still, how did he, how did Harrow have Amit's power, even though she was in Nushapti, but Steven didn't? How did the gods not know at all what Amit was doing? It's, there's so many like questions that I feel like were just very poorly wrapped up there at the end.
1: No acknowledgement that they were wrong about what Konchu had mentioned when Konchu was trying to bring up the fact that Haro was trying to actually bring back Amit. Uh, no one was like, "Oh fuck, we were wrong." They were just all like surprised, like they've never heard that before. And I just want to say one thing real quick: the balls on Disney to make the climax of the show, the biggest fight of the show, happen off screen. Uh, bruh what the fuck what the actual fuck was that Chris I do not get it it, it made no sense I get that you're trying to bring up this whole mystery of, uh, of Jake Lockley you know what? I'm, I, just, I don't know I, I don't like the way that they did this uh, the, the big like final fight it just made no fucking sense what I did like about that final fight was seeing Mr. Knight kick ass just as much as Moon Knight that was freaking awesome but, that's that's basically it for me when it came to that fight. Uh,
0: well, I gotta say this. Uh, like, having... Uh, I, I'm not actually that opposed to how they uh, ended the big fight, you know? I, I'm not that opposed to it. I see what they were trying to do. But, like, just to kind of give a little bit of foreshadowing to our conversation about Doctor Strange. Where, with Doctor Strange, 100% feels like a film that was designed for people who have been following the MCU... Um, for this long. It's designed for them. It almost feels like Moon Knight in the end was designed for people who weren't going to do the research or aren't comic book fans. We knew Jake Lockley was coming. We knew what Jake Lockley was about. So, I mean, for them to just blank out on probably what would have been the dopest fight in the entire season you know that that was painful like that hurt but i mean at the same time like i did i i think as a creative decision to call back to what we've been seeing for the entirety of the series i think it was okay um i think i think it's really the comic book fans that were more pissed off about it than it was the uh, the newcomers to the uh to the character, we knew Jake was coming. We were hoping to see it there, and then for people who are just now finding the character, they're just kind of like, "Oh wow, he blacked out again." We don't know what happened, so I think it's okay in that regard, but very frustrating. I, I can admit it, it-, it was an- it was frustrating as fuck. It it,
1: it makes sense uh, creatively. It it really does, um, and I think. Like I mentioned, it does take some balls to do that. And I, I think it could work uh, if we get another season of Moon Knight and they finally introduce Jake on screen. Uh, that being said, it just leaves kind of an unsatisfying feeling to this first season, or I guess this series. We don't even know if we're going to get a, a more of it. I, we, we think we will. Uh, but because of that reason, it would have been fucking awesome to finally see him on screen in the very last episode of the season. Um, when they didn't do it, it just felt like crap. Okay, this entire buildup—what was it really for? It, we did some, we did get some really cool moments throughout the series, but I mean, where's the payoff? Where's that fucking oh yeah moment? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't think we got that. I, I really don't think we got that.
0: We didn't. Uh, we, we we didn't. I don't think we did. Uh, I I feel like I strongly feel like this was meant to be a a character story, you know, a, a character story, and I I like to think that we are going to get more Moon Knight, but the reflections of the good things we got here, we got a pretty dope um, gigantic Egyptian god fight that was pretty dope watching Ammit and uh, Khonshu uh, go toe to toe. We got Layla as the Scarlet Scarab, the uh, Egypt's That's first sweet. superhero in the MCU, which is dope, um, and there is precedent for her character to become uh, what is known as the Scarlet Scarab um, in the comics, so again, I will leave that to you to find on your own, but uh, yeah, I feel like there were a couple of moments that were created there for payoff, but just again, uh, before we start touching on that after credit scene, not enough, not enough, we don't even get to find out what happens with Layla after the whole situation happens. We just see, you know, right. Mark return to the asylum. Um, him and Steven have now joined as one. We get the Moon Knight I'm um, pardon the Mr. Knight redemption as a character. So for all of the uh, fanboys that were pissed off about Mr. Knight being just kinda like this goofy tertiary character, well he's kicking ass now, so yeah. be happy. Like he's he's kicking ass. Um and also, just like for a note for Steven, it's good to see him, you know, be that brave, be that step up, and have that confidence to just like, hey, we're going to fuck some shit up today.
1: Legitimately, I think Steven Grant is my favorite character in, in, of the entire show. Um, and I think my favorite part of this episode was actually seeing Mark and Steven get along so well and having that synergy. We had a point after the fight where they kept talking to each other, and as they switched. The suit switched as well, and I thought the way that they did it so seamlessly was so fucking awesome, uh, and that's definitely one of the biggest uh, perks of this episode, in my opinion.
0: I agree, and I gotta say this, um, both the Mr. Knight costume and the Moon Knight costume are, like, probably top five Marvel costumes for me, and I'm not gonna lie... It took a minute for the for the Moon Knight costume to grow on me. I was used to just kind of like the Matt White. Um, I, when I saw that they were going the kind of mummy route look kind of thing, I was like, oh, okay, that's really on the nose, but I get it. But it, it took a minute for it to, to grow on me. And I'm I'm super here for it, man. Uh, l- closing out our, our Moon Knight section, talking about the um, after credit scene where we finally get Jake Lockley. And he... Uh, just to, just to get straight to it, puts a bullet between the eyes of the Harrow-Amit uh, combo, and Khonshu basically reveals this whole time, this was going to play out the way he wanted it.
1: Man, he's that fucking Egyptian Palpatine, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> right.
1: Was, I really, when that, when that post credit scene started, I really had no idea where they were going to go. In, in the back of my mind, I'm like, Hey, are we actually going to be seeing some Harrow-Dracula action? Uh, Well, no, that that died alongside (laughs) Harrow and Amit.
0: Don't tempt me. (laughs) I'm so upset about it, man. Oh, my God. I just wanted him to be Doctor Doom, or I wanted him to be Dracula so bad. And they could have switched it. They could have twisted it to anything. Anything. But no, we got just just, just, just um, it, <laughs> And then a yeah. bullet between her eyes. So, I mean, she's just gone, which unfortunately yeah. MCU has fallen into its trappings again of killing off its villains. Um, so here we are. Um, I, you know, I gotta say this cause honestly, I really don't think the, the, the after credit scene leaves too much more to the mind, Um, but I will say this, and again, this will be pertaining to our conversation about Doctor Strange as well, I said this to uh, Azu, I feel like, and I hate to say this because it's something that I actually live and breathe for, I feel like the MCU is slowly cascading on itself a little bit.
1: In what way, if you don't mind me just asking you about that?
0: I feel like at some point it, be- it's, it becomes too much. Like, too much to bear. I think ten years is an accomplishment. Let's get this out of the way. The MCU is an accomplishment. Ten years plus of filmmaking, all centered along a single idea, set in a single kind of universe, all pertaining to the same subject matter. And, you know, people thought there's no way they could do it. There was absolutely no way they could do it. And they did it. We got we got all the way to Endgame. Everything was seamless. There was there were no real, real real story beats that went wrong. There was nothing wrong with certain characters. Everything felt followed through through every movie, short of a few minor things that you know as a fan we've forgiven over the years. But now we've gotten to Moon Knight, and I guess this is a good start into Doctor Strange, and things. I slowly feel like, to me anyway, that they're kind of starting to unravel a little bit and things are becoming less and less cohesive.
1: I think it's all because of the introduction of the multiverse as a concept to the greater MCU. Um, but as, as uh, we move on to Doctor Strange, I want to wrap uh, our Moon Knight review uh, s- series uh, with a tiny bow. And I wanted to ask you, what would you rate the first season or the show we don't know yet, what would you rate it as a whole?
0: As a whole I give Moon Knight um, let's call it season 1 for now I give Moon Knight season 1 4 out of 5 goblins um, not a lot of misses and as a Moon Knight fan from a kid Moon Knight is the comic that got me back into comics as a Moon Knight fan since a kid, I, I, it gave me a lot of the things that I wanted. And of course there were some misses. I feel like that's been the MCU though. No one can be 100% happy. But I can confidently sit here and say that I will give Moon Knight Season 1 4 out of 5 goblins.
1: That, that's actually pretty good. And it's interesting hearing it from your perspective as a comic book fan. As someone who had no idea who Moon Knight even was prior to this show... I can confidently say that this was a four and a half geeks out of five geeks. Wow. Uh, I did call it the best show on Disney Plus when uh, I think during episode two, episode three. Um, I think this last episode kind of brought it down. Also, I did watch Loki. I can, I do <laughs> want to say I think Loki is the best uh, show on Disney Plus. Oh just wow! My okay. Opinion. Um, but yeah, man, it was a really good episode and really good show. Um, and I'm excited to. I really hope they come out with a season 2. But yeah, going back to Marvel just kind of cascading on itself now with the MCU. uh, I was saying, I think the introduction of the multiverse has made it so... It's it's getting complicated. A lot of people don't know who these new characters that are being introduced are. Uh, When I watched uh, Doctor Strange with Mia, she was excited to see Captain Picard on the screen, not knowing who Charles Xavier was. And she was excited to see Jim from the office on the screen, not knowing who Reed Richards was. It's It's getting to the point where uh, I think, as you uh, has said it, it's it's getting almost as complicated as Kingdom Hearts.
0: <laughs> I'm still going to like vehemently disagree with that statement. Um, <laughs> I can still just go to Disney Plus and watch everything that I need in a sitting. Whereas with Kingdom Hearts, it's gonna take me because I wanna do a replay before 4 comes out. It is going to take me. Can you watch uh, X-Men on Disney Plus? Until Yes, you can watch X-Men on Disney Plus. It is going to take me until the Kingdom Hearts 4 comes out for me to catch up to Kingdom Hearts. I True. I man, listen. <laughs> yes, the MC I will say it out loud. The MCU ...is broad. It's very, very broad. But if you want to understand the mainline stuff, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is the only thing you have had to watch thus far that required you to watch the Disney Plus shows. Is that going to change eventually? We really don't know. Moon Knight, as far as we can tell, doesn't fit into anything. But, I will admit, I can see where it could be a little bit confusing... But I don't think it's that big of a deal.
1: It's you before we go on a full-blown review for uh, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of madness is do you think that Dr. Strange was a kind of standalone in the in, in terms that it needed that previous knowledge? or do you think it's just the start of the future of the MCU where everything kind of like works off each other?
0: I think it's the start, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'd like to believe that at some point we're going to get MCU-based video games, and we're going to get MCU-based like media across other spaces that are easily accessible. Again, we, when we're talking about like con- convolution, and we're trying... If, we can, if we're going to really sit here and compare Kingdom Hearts' um, it's convolution to the MCU's convolution... I really don't think it's a fair comparison, especially if we're talking about the beginning of Kingdom Hearts. Now, you buy the remixes, you buy buy both the remixes, you buy Kingdom Hearts 3, you have everything you need to understand Kingdom Hearts at your fingertips. Before the remixes came out, you needed a PlayStation, you needed whatever handheld consoles you needed you needed next gen consoles there was an actual large financial barrier between you and Kingdom Hearts' story unless you wanted to just go online and like do the research but you know back then that wasn't that easy you weren't doing it like you're doing it now you have to be so back then. I am doing a live show <laughs> like like, uh um, <laughs> Anyways, it is easier now. It is, it is easier now. I just think the barrier for entry is kind of what sets that conversation. But um, as we go deeper into this conversation, I am going to stress it one more time, just in case anybody has popped in here. Uh, if you have not taken a look to the top left and you have not figured out what's going on, huge, huge spoiler alerts for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness from this point forward. Huge spoiler alerts! If you do not want the movie to be ruined for you, do not stay. Come back later. Let's get into it, sir.
1: So, I'm not going to give the review score right up uh, right up front. I think uh, I'm gonna let it uh, percolate a little bit. I'm gonna let it just kind of like simmer. Um, I just want to say that this movie was. Overwhelming. I, I think that's terminology that you had used uh, a little bit earlier when we had talked about this uh, pre-show. Um, it wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't underwhelming. It was just whelming. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't help but feel a little bit disappointed uh, after uh, after it had finished. Uh, but it did have a lot of really cool moments that deserve some merit and deserve some credit as well.
0: I agree. Um, I think the best way to tackle this right now is probably going to be by let's say acts acts of the movie um and yes, uh, real quick to touch on that that is definitely the terminology I used. It was I left the theater well um so let, let's let's get into the first act of the film here um and uh, it, I'm trying to figure out what 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 where really to begin we start the movie off. I I don't want to do all that. I don't want to, like, break it down, like, bit by bit. So let, let's go all the way up until the Karma, uh just after the Karmatage fight. Very breakneck, very fast. Uh, I, I knew that going into it, if you were paying attention to CinemaCon, the first 20 minutes of the movie were going to be a lot of what we saw in the trailers. The Gorgantos fight, the wedding scene, uh... Of all, all the comertage stuff well the comertage comes a little bit later but a lot of you know what we see in the trailers uh we get in that first 20 minutes and this is like i said before uh, when we were talking about this this is a film for people that are going into the mcu and they know what's happening they they come they sat down to watch this movie because they know what's up they've been watching this movie and it's breakneck from the beginning
1: it is i think um not just with that initial fight sequence but also just in the introduction of america chavez introduction of the multiverse side of the story um and just I, it really was breakneck um i didn't think it was too fast though I, I don't think it was anything like moon knight episode 6 it it was quick but it still gave you enough time to just kind of like take a breath and be like okay that just happened. What's about to happen next? Um, so it was it was really interesting to see how how they tackled that, for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, and America Chavez, that introduction I think was done very very well with Defender Strange, seeing where she came from, loved every bit of it. I, I I loved every bit of it, and I and I did like I do like America Chavez as a character. Let me get that out of the way. And I love the portrayal. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the actress's name because I know I'm going to butcher it. Um, but she did a fantastic job, and I really do hope to see her um, in later MCU uh, properties, whether it's on the silver screen or the big screen. But leading past, I think we can get past the um, the the wedding scene. Um, we it, there's not a lot to talk about there. But it, it actually, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. There is a the first bit of like character development where you know we start to really ask, is Steven happy with? everything that he's got going on. The Sorcerer Supreme, you know, is he happy, you know? And of course he lost the love of his life, but that is really the question here. And happiness seems to be a theme that goes around with all of these characters in some way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, I mean, thinking about, like, Wong, if he his happiness is brought into question America Chavez's basically existence is called into a question and whether she's satisfied with where she's at Uh, strange not just with the whole source of supreme and his love life but also as like with himself as a person uh, he just hears this commentary from everyone around him talking about what a doctor strange is what a Stephen strange is and it seems like it just really gets into his own head about it Um, so yeah Um, Not just that, but we also get um, Wanda, her whole thing of happiness, like the whole shtick of the movie is basically Wanda just not being satisfied with her timeline. Um, So yeah, very, very, very interesting to see how they brought the whole kind of like question of happiness into this. It felt very philosophical and I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Agreed, agreed. Um real quick, uh what did you think of the uh the Gargantos fight? Um a lot of people right now are saying the CGI felt a little bit off. Personally, uh I was so in love with the fight that if it was off, I didn't really pay too much attention to to that. I was as always with these MCU movies and like just kind of captured by the fact that I'm seeing these fantastic things on the silver screen. No, oh, uh, big screen, not silver screen.
1: I think I think it was a very rushed fight, um, but honestly, it was at the very beginning of the movie, so there's not really much of a reason to let it drag on. Um, it felt very Sam Raimi-esque. It gave me the old Spider-Man vibes. Oh yeah, uh, that's how that's the action that uh, I saw in in the in those scenes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So, it was really cool to get a little bit more of that Sam Raimi action in a superhero movie. That just brought a smile in my eyes. The eye popping out was (laughs) definitely (laughs) a shocking moment for the theater. Um, It kind of was like a sign of things to come. Oh,
0: yeah. It definitely was our first moment where it was just kind of like, oh, okay, this is where we're going. But, like, not even, like, not even, like, a fraction. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, dude, like. Uh, just the sound of the eye popping out. I can't even make this sound it's like a, I like, like, I can't even make this sound. I, was, I remember at our showing, everyone was just like, oh! <laughs> it was great. And I think before we even continue, I think it's worth saying, like, this is a Sam Raimi movie, y'all. Like, this is a Sam Raimi movie. If you are familiar with his work from Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Drag Me to Hell, we, we get similar shots. Like, oh, my God. It, if if you love Sam Raimi's style of filmmaking, this is this is for you. It, it's a Sam Raimi film through yeah. and through.
1: Absolutely, and I just and that's what made me love the movie so much. Anytime it felt like a Sam Raimi flick, I thought the movie was at its best. Anytime it veered into the family side of things, into the grander MCU side of things, I really do feel like the movie stumbled in in, in that regard. It just, uh, I was mentioning this earlier when we talked about it, it gave me tonal whiplash. Yeah. It it really did. It felt like this movie was trying to do too much at the same time.
0: Well, and you know, that's the Disney touch, right? Like, it couldn't be full on horror all the time. So, I mean, I guess you could say it's on brand, but, you know, I, I think that's, Um, Even going back into Moon Knight, a huge topic of the conversation, it's nice to finally see them break the mold. And I think even with those family moments, this is still something that the film achieves. It definitely breaks the mold in a lot of ways and it circumvents all of those, well not all, but it circumvents a good bit of those MCU tropes and what we've come to understand and receive from uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe films.
1: Agree. I agree. Even, even so, even to the point where one of the protagonists of their one of their biggest Disney Plus shows ends up becoming a fucking villain, a full blown villain, unabashedly a villain. It, it was definitely unique. It feels like starting with Moon Knight, this post Endgame, this post ten years of the MCU, uh, MCU is definitely trying to traverse unfamiliar waters. And that's honestly what gets me the most excited about it, you know what I'm
0: saying? Absolutely. And you know, since you brought it up, let's let's just go ahead and talk about that villain. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. Uh, I never thought she was a hero of WandaVision either way. Um, it comes to find out that these demons that have been chasing America Chavez were actually sent by Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch herself. And she is revealed as the film's one and only True villain and boy, hardy. Let me tell you, uh, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with the, the with the villainous turn. It's not it's not the first time, but man, and I and I have said this before in these conversations. I've never seen Wanda post Endgame as a hero at all. I believe that she needed to be held accountable for Westview, and she wasn't. She was allowed to just fly off and do her own thing, and I think. The impact of that decision by the world of the MCU is on full display here. and honestly, if she ended up getting caught up in that situation where where you know she did get what she was trying to achieve in this film, I think the world would have been deserving of what they received. I don't understand why this is the first time Strange went and visited her. I don't know why the Avengers never intervened. She's technically, Part of the Sokovia Accord so the government should have called for her to, you know, surrender.
1: See, man, I I don't get it either. It, it's it was it's definitely the strangest thing, and you can't help but think whether she used some of her magic to kind of like charm certain people to let her just get away with it. Um, at the end of the day, she, at least in this movie, kind of proved herself to be the most powerful character that we've seen in em in any MCU property. She was fucking terrifying. The, the mastery of her magic that she has, the amount of wisdom and knowledge that she has, not just that, but also, like, some sort of righteous anger. She does have a right to be angry with how things have played out in her life, but she leans into it way too heavily. It's, it's honestly terrifying stuff, man. And I really do think the best parts of this movie were when she was on screen when the whole movie was just about what the fuck is she going to do now what wall is she about to come out of who is she about to kill whose neck is she about to snap it honestly was really freaking cool but uh yeah very strange that no one ever really tried to kind of like restrain her or hold her accountable for that it just i wonder if we're going to get any explanations in, in any other property
0: I mean, if we're going to be honest here, um, regardless of everything that I just said, who the hell was going to do it? <laughs> like, right. Without right. the Darkhold, she was ridiculously powerful. And maybe there was a time when, you know, Doctor Strange and the, and the might of the Carmitage could have taken down um, Wanda before she truly became the Scarlet Witch. But where we are presented to her in this film, there's no way. Um, and if anyone out there thinks for a minute that currently, whether she's alive or not, um, the Scarlet Witch is not the most powerful character in the MCU, uh, you're wrong. You're, you're absolutely wrong. I, I think the only person who potentially could have even intervened and done something about that situation was more than likely Kanshu. And that's not happening. And even that is questionable. Right. I think it would take an actual god, not an alien, Thor, um, to actually take care of Wanda. Um, But continuing on the topic of her, in a lot of ways, she is the villain of this film. And even more so, it is her movie. Uh, Hats off to Elizabeth Olsen. Absolutely rocked the role. Some of the best acting in the MCU. Um, as far as the film portion goes, y'all already know how I feel about my boy, Oscar Isaac. Um, best, best thing that happened to the MCU since RDJ. But absolutely killed the role, gave such depth and passion, and made such an interesting turn as this wounded and distraught mother who was just looking for her children and only wanted her children.
1: Honestly, I think the way that they personified her as well made her the more the most relatable villain. Uh, throughout the movie, I'm like, yeah, I could really understand why she feels the way she did. Uh, her exchange with Doctor Strange when she was attacking the temple in order to get America Chavez, that that whole exchange is like, damn, they're both fucking right. Like, she what she's doing is absolutely wrong, but her convictions are coming from a place of logic, and it's understandable to to see why she feels that way. So that just made it even more terrifying because you knew that even though she was doing this terrible stuff, it was coming out of emotions that are just entirely relatable. And towards the end of the movie, when we saw her, like, when we saw her interact with her sons and they were scared of her, seeing the emotion on Elizabeth Olsen's face, that was was the only moment in the movie where I was literally jerked to tears. I, I was literally just almost crying Um, because you could see the pain and the realization on her face despite the fact that everyone in the movie was literally telling her that that's exactly what would have happened seeing her actually come to terms with that fantastic performance man i truly believe this movie should have been called scarlet witch and the multiverse of madness
0: (laughs) and it hurts man because we're watching a character whose life has been lost you know she lost her parents Um, because because of, in a lot of ways, Tony Stark. She lost her brother again, and because of a lot of ways, Tony Stark. She was forced to kill her husband, watch him be resurrected, and to have to watch him die again, and went through the trauma of creating her own children to have them taken away. And again... She's at the precipice. She has everything she wants in her grasp. And she has to make the decision to realize that this is not the way it should be. And, of course, a lot of this is because she was influenced by the Darkhold. But still, you know, she being she was aware that whole time and had to make a conscious decision to say, I have to let my children go. Like, it...
1: It's heartbreaking.
0: Her 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 storyline has been so traumatic, and I I I hurt for Wanda Maximoff in the MCU, but at the same time, um, getting into her transgressions as the Scarlet Witch, um, she doesn't exactly deserve a happy ending.
1: Oh man, dude. Like towards the midway point of the movie, where um, Doctor Strange is interacting with the Illuminati, um, introducing Black Bolt, introducing um, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, I forgot what her, her character's name, but it was uh, Carol Danvers' superior superior officer from from the
0: Maria from Maria Marvel movie.
1: right, right, right. So we also got Charles Xavier, we got Reed Richards, we got some really cool shit. Uh but, you know, we, we said it, Scarlet Witch, the most powerful fucking character in the MCU, she, oh, Chris, take it away, take it away, oh. I'm, uh, getting a little flustered. Here.
0: <laughs> First off, we can't forget, uh, Captain Carter also makes an appearance, uh, right. but right. we learn that the biggest threat to the multiverse is not Wanda, which, in my opinion, still is Wanda, um, but is also <laughs> Doctor Strange, just because of his... Um, his inquisitive nature and his need to um, hold power, or as said previously in the film, hold the knife. Um, his his search for power, while he remains a good person, puts him in very precarious situations. And um, this being the situation that leads him into the Illuminati. Essentially, we find that in this universe, their strange had the dark hold, and they used. Um, he wanted to use it to find a way to defeat Thanos and their universe, and unfortunately that didn't work out, and they ended up having D-Uk, uh use the uh, Book of Vishanti, which is its antithesis. Um, so where the Darkhold is good, the Book of Vishanti is... Uh, pardon, where the Darkhold is bad, the Book of Vishanti is good. Um, and because of this, they ended up killing their Stephen and uh, remembering him as a martyr in their world. But... Uh, The Illuminati was standing to judge the Steven, our Steven Strange, right when Wanda makes her presence known in their universe. And boy, does she make her presence known. As soon as we got our cake, some bully that you don't know how he got the invite to your birthday party. You're really not sure how your parents, why your parents thought you and this bully were friends. Um, he, has, he has ripped pages out of your book at school. He has put gum on your, on your back. He has taken your lunch money. Your parents invited him to that party, and just as you got your cake, that bully threw a football right at your cake and destroyed it. Wanda just steps in and eviscerates. Absolutely destroys Reed Richards, Black Bolt, Captain Marvel, Captain Carter, and Professor Xavier with one of the coldest I'ma start this fight lines in cinematic history.
1: Oh Jesus Christ, man. Seeing seeing her basically move or remove Black Bolt's mouth and say what mouth? and then You see just Black Bolt just in terror, trying to find out what the hell to do. He tries to shout, and he just inadvertently shatters his own fucking brain. And not only does that, that sounds brutal, but seeing it in the freaking movie was even more gruesome somehow. You see the brain just like splatter just a little bit. Dude, this, that entire fight sequence, that entire sequence period was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in a Marvel movie. And probably the most terrifying thing we ever will see in a Marvel movie. It was crazy. It was straight up gruesome.
0: I mean, and again, spoilers, 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 spoilers for Multiverse of Madness if you're popping in. Um, and that's where it ends. I, I can't tell you anymore. It's in the damn title. Like, well, she looks Reed Richards in the face and says, do your, ch- do your children still have a mother? Yes, they do. Good. then they'll have someone to take care of them when you're gone and just begins to absolutely destroy she removes Black Bolt's mouth as you said and makes him blow up his own head which was probably still the most gruesome death in an MCU movie to date turns Reed Richards into string cheese and I said this earlier to Azu for the smartest man in the universe I'm just going to try to grab you. That's that's the vibe. The smartest man in the universe should have heard her say that cold-ass line and been like, "Bet you do what you got to do. I'm going to go kiss my kids on the forehead and tuck them in because you a scary bitch. Like, that. fuck that. I'm out of here. Ab- bisects Captain Carter, splits her in half, just absolutely splits her in half, crushes, which I still don't think she's dead, Captain Marvel, and snaps the neck of Professor Xavier. This is a villain, ladies and gentlemen. This is a villain.
1: (laughs) Not even mentioning that she snapped Charles Xavier's neck inside of a dream. So, yeah, he's just brain dead. He's alive. Just brain dead. Fucking insane. Arguably, I think we could both agree, agree on this. That sequence was the best sequence of the entire movie. Possibly top three, top five of the MCU as a whole so far.
0: Oh, easily. Um, But, you know, I gotta admit, as much as I loved it, why, man? (laughs) Like, we... I've said it so many times, I feel like I'm on repeat at this point. They introduced us to a world where the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and the Inhumans and presumably many other Marvel characters exist... And they they just cut off their leaders and move on. We don't even we don't get a hint at the X Men. We don't even hear the words X Men uttered. Like we we the Fantastic Four are hinted at, hinted at his children are hinted at, which is a huge deal. Like the Inhumans, the word the Inhumans was said. Like they give us, and I think that is inherently like. The biggest problem with this film for me. Honestly, we can even, in my opinion, I think we can end the conversation after this point because I feel like what happened there was so impactful that it kind of killed the rest of the movie for me.
1: Honestly, feel like it did go downhill after that. Um, the only, only thing I would say that was fucking amazing after that was the battle uh, between uh, Sup- Strange Supreme and Doctor and, and Doctor Strange Sinister musical Strange, battle. Sinister, huh?
0: Sinister Strange. Uh-huh. Sinister, Strange. That Sinister is Strange. Yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you, thank you for the correction. Uh, but that battle where they were like literally fighting with musical notes, and then the music of the movie would correspond to that fight. That's honestly the only thing after that sequence that I thought was like A tier, S tier Marvel.
0: One hundred percent, I completely agree. I honestly forgot about that fight. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was that cool. But I mean, just to give the audience some perspective on, like, even towards that part of the movie, I could have seen this movie twice. I've only seen it one and a half times. After the Illuminati were killed for the second time, I just left. And I, have I, admittedly, I've never gotten up and walked out of a movie. And I didn't, again, walk out of it because I was disappointed or it was distasteful or anything like that. I just walked out because I didn't need to see the rest again.
1: <laughs> like, also, context. The context needs to be provided as well. You literally watched it the second time. 20 minutes after watching it the first time i did so that plays a little bit of a role in it as well you know honestly but that's the thing like I,
0: we were having the conversation we said like hey if it's good enough do you want to go and watch it again and we both said yes um so mind you if it were good enough we were in for the long haul it didn't matter really like it's just i and and this is where i believe the mcu starts to cascade on itself and honestly it, it goes all the way back to wandavision it feels like they're playing with us now. Like it, it really starts to feel like they're playing with us in a lot of ways. In, it starts with the, first, the Mephisto rumor, which is always just funny at this point. But leads all the way up into giving us, um, I always forget the actor's name, but um, giving us the Fox's Quicksilver as Ralph Boner in WandaVision. It feels like they're just kind of toying with us to some degree. to and, and it, it feels like a big middle finger a lot of the times. We all thought Mephisto was coming. All of the pieces from Mephisto being there were there. We didn't get him. We all thought that we were going to get um, the first true multiversal crossover with um, Quicks- Fox's Quicksilver uh, popping in as her brother in WandaVision. We get the actor, and he turns out to be a literal dick joke. And going forward, I I think the only time that they've given us what we suspected, which I'm not saying that they should um, at all, you know, integrity as an artist and as a filmmaker, but the only time that they've given us what we expected was um, He Who Remains uh, slash Kang at the end of Loki. We all thought that is the only place that it could be going, and it went there. So with this, it honestly feels like an even bigger fuck you. It even We even had big fuck yous in No Way Home with um, uh, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock just being there to get sent back. There was literally two after-credit scenes of him literally just showing up and then going away. That was it. And of course, you know, we got a little bit of the symbiote, but to, to bring all of these people together and then kill them. To title your movie The Multiverse of Madness, and there's really not a lot of madness, and there's really not a lot of the multiverse, I feel like I feel like they're playing with this a little bit, man. Like, I I don't know. I feel like they're playing with this a little bit.
1: I thought this movie was also a little strange with, uh, with the way that they try to use it as a origin story for America Chavez, but we've gone through this entire review and we've only mentioned her once. Um, that that that's just a little strange to me. Like, don't you find that a little strange?
0: I do. And again, I love the character. I love the portrayal. Um, but people are calling her the uh, the heart of the film that she makes the movie, and I strongly disagree. I don't... For for her to be in almost every other scene, like, for me to say that I feel like she really wasn't even in the movie, um, like, that's where I sit. And as that's just me as an honest creator, as an honest content creator. Like, I'm not trying to, like, rub hands with Marvel in that way. Like, I'm sorry. I just don't feel like the character was was really done justice, or at least enough for everyone to sit back and say she was the, like, the end-all, be-all of the film
1: think, like you said, what we did get of America Chavez in this movie was was good. was definitely fucking good. Don't get me wrong. I just think that they should have introduced America Chavez um, before this movie. Make it a series. Make it a limited like, make it a one-shot movie. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Do something. Introduce it before the movie because it just felt weird. We, We talked about it a little bit earlier. Just the tonal whiplash from going from a horror movie to a movie about America Chavez. It just felt like such a big disconnect um it also ended up just feeling like a big fuck you to people like you and i where we enjoyed the wanda parts of the movie we enjoyed the horror parts of the movie it just didn't feel like they wanted to commit to that fully
0: absolutely and um for anyone who's not aware i feel like this is we have to bring this up and honestly i forgot really up until this point um i should have been i should have been talking about it um the, the movies were released out of sequence, just so we can be clear about something. Uh, Multiverse of Madness was supposed to come out before No Way Home. And with that said, America Chavez was supposed to be in No Way Home. This is a confirmed fact. Um, give me just a second. I'm trying to find the point in this article so I can properly reference this. Um uh, sorry. I believe you yes. had
1: told me that America Chavez was supposed to be bringing the other Spider Man into the universe, right?
0: Yes. So, um,. Uh, A report from Doctor Strange 2 from The Hollywood Reporter shared details about America Chavez's unrealized role in No Way Home. During No Way Home's development, Chavez was set to play the Sorcerer's Apprentice role required to assist Peter and company in connecting the multiverse and bringing Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man into the MCU. Following the MCU release slate shift, which forced Multiverse of Madness to release After No Way Home, writers Eric Summers and Chris McKenna were forced to cut Chavez's Spidey role in order to preserve her MCU introduction into Doctor Strange, uh, into the Doctor Strange sequel. And there is concept art to back up this theory. This is not just out of the blue. This is not some random shit. She was supposed to be the role that Ned essentially ended up being in No Way Home.
1: Interesting.
0: And I think it hurts it. I really do think it hurts it. I think had we been introduced to her prior to this, it would have felt more rewarding, her arc in this film. And it's it's just disappointing. But, I mean, it is what it is. But that is what it was supposed to be.
1: I agree. I completely agree. It was disappointing. Uh, but th- I guess that begs the question, chronologically, where does this fit? Does this... Does- do the events of Multiverse of Madness happen after No Way Home? Uh, frankly, I'm Have not too sure. Any conf- yeah, I don't think we've gotten any confirmation about that, one way or another.
0: Yeah, no. Um, it usually takes us a little bit of time. I think we found out somewhere along along the lines of like episode four of Moon Knight that it was, um, thus far the furthest point. Um. In the MCU history that we were aware of. But we will find out eventually at some point. But I, I do want to like start to close this out um, by saying I am a fan of the MCU. I, I'm always going to be a fan of the MCU. It has brought a lot of my childhood joy to the big screen and also to the silver screen. Um, but I am worried about it. I am worried that I, 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 we, we've always been left with direction. And so far the only direction that we've gotten post, uh, post-Multiverse of Madness is that the multiverse now exists and the door is open for us to tell whatever story we want. While I think that's fine because I like the idea of them approaching these films like they approach the comic books, we just get movies that are inherently tied together with all of these other movies, it does worry me because having that goal for the first ten years, get to Thanos, get to Endgame, get the Infinity Saga out of the way, set a very high bar that they were able to reach. And right now, we have so much on our plate with no
1: destination. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Maybe all it's going to take is just one movie or one show to start to string things together, to to just kind of, like, guide us a little bit. That's all we need, just a little bit of guidance. And I think... All these other movies and shows that have come up to this point after Endgame will start making more sense. Um, th- we have had confirmations that they've, they're already planning the next decade of Marvel. Yes. So I think there is a direction. I just think there's also trying to balance that direction with also the much broad- broader nature of the MCU now with Disney Plus being a thing, with the multiverse being a thing narratively. Um, it, very interesting. Very interesting to see where they're going with this. Um, it, I am a little concerned, but I still have faith in, faith in um, Kevin Feige. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I want to go ahead and just put my review score down for Doctor Strange. I, I have been deliberating uh, deliberating about this for a while now. It's been it's been a back and forth. Um, I am going to be watching Doctor Strange again tomorrow. Um, Maybe I'll have another score by then, but right now my score is 3.75 geeks out of 5.
0: 3.75 geeks out of 5. Okay, okay. I I myself will not be watching Doctor Strange, likely again, until uh, we get an at-home release. Um, And having seen it all the times that I really think I need to see it at this point, um, I do believe I can give a very solid review... For me, uh, I'm going to have to give Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness 3 out of 5 uh, goblins. It just misses the mark with the rather incoherent story, um, lack of direction, and a lot of, a lot of hopes left, left hanging.
1: that's a, a, a that, i mean it's still a solid score i definitely recommend anyone who's interested in it to go watch it because it was a fun movie and absolutely movies, uh, and like the the scenes that made it good were scenes that are truly fucking great like we're talking about all time great so definitely watch it if you haven't watched it if you've watched this and you've seen all these spoilers i still think it's worth a show, worth uh, worth a watch absolutely
0: I agree. I agree, and I think we'll save our um, our conversation for where the MCU is going after this um, for another episode of Geeks and Goblins, sir. like
1: a good plan, man.
0: Yeah, man. MCU Power Hour. Oh God, big things like this even happen. We have Power Hours. Star Wars Power Hour. Oh, dude,
1: that's, Sony, that's coming hour. soon, man. E3 Ooh. power out. Hey, listen. I just gotta say, you I watched Loki. I of course I had to kinda watch Loki. Here, we go. Here we go. You don't have to watch Bad Batch for anything.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> It'll happen, I guess. Jesus Christ. Tell me, my friend, when does uh when does Kenobi start? The twelfth?
1: May twenty seventh. May
0: twenty seventh. Alright. Well then we will be Uh, Doing the exact same thing we did with Moon Knight that we did with Kenobi. Uh, We'll be doing our uh, main episode topic on each episode of Kenobi as they come, so sit back and look forward that for that, but until then, we are going to be filling your minds, your ears, and your hearts with some fantastic conversations about some very geeky things and some very goblin-y things, some video game things, some comic book things, some things in between. We might actually eventually start throwing some anime in that bitch. You never really know which way it's going to go here on Geeks and Goblins. Utopian Revolt, please tell the people where they can find you.
1: You can find me on my Twitch channel, uh, Utopian Revolt. Uh, you can find me on my Twitter, also Utopian Revolt. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, spoiler alert, it's uh, Utopian Revolt. <laughs> and you can find me on my Discord, on Og Goblins Discord. And you can find me on Saturday nights on Geeks and Goblins.
0: Fantastic, and I am back with a vengeance, ladies and gentlemen. Gone for a whole week. I will be back. As always, Monday, Wednesday, streaming here on OG Goblin Games, as well as on Saturday, as always, with Geeks and Goblins. We're going to try our best not to give you guys any more, like, uh, like missed days. Last Saturday, it was a fluke. Don't even worry about it. Didn't even happen. Just just bless your hearts and move move the fuck on. It's not even that big of a deal. And if you want to come back and catch your our thoughts, pardon, and your thoughts, too, I guess. I don't know. We might share some. If you want to come back and catch our thoughts... On Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Moon Knight episode five and six, you can find this vod up on Monday, one o'clock, just to catch up with us and see what we had to say. Or you know, you just stay here on Twitch and watch it. Uh, you know, like the next hour or so, whenever it gets put up. I don't know, but like, go go follow us on the YouTube as well. It's it's Geeks and Goblins. You can find it. It's, it's everybody's favorite show. They just don't know it yet. Just
1: saying.
0: Sir, thank you for joining me on an episode of Ge- another episode of Geeks and Goblins. Uh, I'm gonna go take a shot of Henny and uh, go to sleep.
1: Do it, man. That's uh, that's for the digestion and also, you know, it's just a natural like sleep aid. You know what I'm saying? Whatever have the a, kids want to call it nowadays. Have a good night, nowadays. man. Have a good night. Sure, sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> whatever, whatever they want to call it, whatever they call it. You guys out there in the world, you take it easy. We will see you all on the next episode of Geeks and Goblins. Love you very much. Uh, watch out for witches. And good night.